helps you. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, If you haven't already, uh, be sure and and get those Bibles open to this text in Acts chapter 2. Um, 23 years ago, today, this very day, June 26th, I said I do to Karen Nicholson of Lexington, Kentucky. This is our silver plate anniversary, whatever that means. That's what the 23rd anniversary is. That's the traditional gift. Um, you know, life is funny. If, if you had told me 23 years ago that today, that this very day, I would be preaching at the church where Karen grew up and celebrating our anniversary by working the closing, the closing shift at Trader Joe's, I just, I wouldn't have believed you. Right? Like, how can you, it's like, how do you make that up? I, I couldn't have envisioned it. But, uh, but here we are, and, uh, and what a blessing it is. What a blessing it is um, to celebrate our 23 years together with this, with this church family, with this community. Um, it's, it's so good. This morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about community. This text at the end of Acts chapter 2 is all about it. It's about the kind of community that was formed following Pentecost. You see, what we have here in verses 42 through 47 is Luke's description of what a Jesus-led, spirit-filled community looked like in first century Jerusalem. And it's really quite an impressive group. I'm grateful that, that Luke has left us with a portrait of what this community of believers look like. I think it's really important that we have this. Uh, and I think it's important for us. I think it serves us well as a church to spend time here, to come back to this. Because, really, this is going way back, right? Uh, back before they called themselves Christians. That didn't happen until Acts chapter 11 at Antioch. Back before they even called themselves the church. This is going back to the very beginning. And I think what we have here is a community of Jesus' disciples in its purest uh, and most innocent form. Right? Back before other things started being added to it. And I think it can serve us well. It can serve us as a mirror. It's sort of kind of like a mirror for us. And by that, I mean we can look at it and ask ourselves, do we reflect this kind of group displayed in these verses? I think it's a really good approach because, because here's what we have. I, I want you to really see this clearly. 
Here's what we have in these verses. These verses are the direct consequence of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon a group of believers by the ascended Lord Jesus from the right hand of his Father. This is the result. These are the consequences. When our Lord does that, this is what happens. This is what it looks like. When the ascended king from the right hand of God pours out the Holy Spirit on his people, this happens. This isn't, this isn't some church growth model. This isn't the ABCs of a healthy church. This is eyewitness testimony as to what happened to the people of Pentecost. What happened next? How did they act following Pentecost? And in verse 42, Luke lists out four key distinguishing characteristics of this group of believers. And each one is a very tangible, visible expression of the Holy Spirit having been poured out upon them. Because you see, when Jesus leads and the Holy Spirit fills, then the result is what I'm going to call the church in 4D. There's a four-dimensional reality to it. Scholar N.T. Wright says, these four should always go together. You cannot separate them or leave just one of them out without damaging the whole thing. And so there are four characteristics that I want us to reflect upon this morning from the church in 4D, as I'm calling it. Here from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And here's the thing for this group of believers. Luke writes, they devoted themselves to these things. You see, this phrase here carries with it the idea of persistence. It carries with it the idea of a people persevering at something together. What that tells me is that these were, not, these were things that they had to work at. They had to commit to. They didn't just happen always naturally. In fact, they were things inspired by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so they're, they're having to grow into these characteristics. They're having to learn how to walk in these ways. And so this group was not perfect at these things, but they were devoted. They devoted themselves. They were committed to living together in these ways. Verse 46 says, every day they continued, and so it was ongoing. It was daily devotion and commitment to these practices. And so here's my question for the morning. How do we become a group like this one? That's my question for us. How does Southside become a church in 4D, as I'm calling it? So here's the first one, 1D. 
develop a word view. We're going to develop a word view. Now, you may be wondering if I said that correctly. Uh, yes, I did. It's a word I'm actually making up today. Um, I forgot the L on purpose. And allow me to explain. I've read books. I've listened to podcasts. I've sat through breakout sessions about the importance of having a Christian worldview. Now, I understand the emphasis. As a group of believers, we need to see the world through a Christian perspective. However, in our society today, Christian has come to mean many things. The word has been influenced by social, cultural, and political influences that have shaped what Christian means in our world. These days, it kind of depends on who you ask. And so what I'm encouraging is for us to develop a word view. We need to see everything through the lens of God's word. Luke says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so my question for you this morning is, what do you listen to? What do you read? What do you watch? Where do you get your information? What are you devoted to daily hearing from? Receiving your information. This group devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I've mentioned in this study of Acts about uh, how so much of this book is, in fact, speeches and sermons. It's really just kind of one sermon, one speech after another. We spend an entire month studying the sermon at Pentecost. We have sermons by Peter, speeches by Stephen, by Paul. In other words, this book, Acts, is filled with the teaching of the apostles, Right? When Luke says that this first group devoted themselves to the apostles' instruction, the apostles' teaching, part of what he means by that are, are the, the sermons, are the speeches, the instruction of the apostles, in fact, in this book. It's what this group devoted themselves to. My uh, oldest son, JP, is heading to Lipscomb in the fall. And so we went down there a couple of weeks ago for orientation. And they have three classes that every student on campus has to take in order to graduate. It's the story of Israel, the story of Jesus, and the story of the church. And I thought, man, that's a great way to organize it. I liked how they organize it because it takes you all the way from the creation to the consummation. They're going to present the whole thing to every student that comes through that university. And this group here in Acts chapter 2, it encourages us to be a people who immerse ourselves even more into this, into this story from the creation to the consummation. 
to immerse ourselves into the fulfillment of the Old Testament, into the gospel of Jesus Christ, and into the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in these last days called the church. What we need to develop is a word view. Listen, that's why any second, any spare moment that you can spend in God's word is worth spending. If you're going to devote yourself to hearing or listening to or watching anything, devote yourself to this. Allow this to shape your word view. This has to become the primary lens that we see the world through. This first group devoted themselves to the instruction of the apostles. That's the first D. That's the first D. The second D of this church in 4D is deepen our fellowship. Deepen our fellowship. This group devoted themselves to the apostles' instruction and to the fellowship. Now, one way I've always thought of this, just kind of my corny brain, is that they devoted themselves both to the followship of Christ and to the fellowship of Christ. It was both. Kind of how I always remembered those two things. The fellowship is the apostles' instruction about being a disciple, and the fellowship is about actually being part of the group of disciples. The Greek word here translated as fellowship is the word koinonia. And it's a, it's a unique and a special Greek word. The term is only found here in all of Luke Acts. The word literally means partner and companion. While most every English Bible translation is content translating it as fellowship, in my opinion, for what it's worth, it really points to a much deeper reality. Fellowship to me is a more surface level and friendly idea. Whereas koinonia is much deeper, it's much fuller, it's much closer. This first group of believers encourages us to have a deeper fellowship. Verse 46 says, they worship together at the temple and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. It's the second part that points us to a deeper fellowship. Because if they'd only worshiped at the temple, it'd be easy to maintain fellowship, but never experience koinonia. But they met in each other's homes for the Lord's Supper. Two things. They were in each other's homes, and they broke bread together around a table. Both of those, the intimacy of a home, the hospitality of a table, help deepen fellowship. One of my faith heroes, he's in my uh, personal Hebrews 11, uh, is Clarence Jordan. I've talked about him before. 
But uh, Jordan was a farmer. He got an ag degree from the University of Georgia. That's not the only reason I liked him. But he was also a New Testament Greek scholar who received his Ph.D. from Southern Seminary in Louisville. In addition to uh, helping start Habitat for Humanity, this is one of the things he did, he founded a farm in Americus, Georgia, which is in South Georgia, in the early 1940s that he called Koinonia Farm. And uh, it was after this word here in Acts chapter 2 that he, he named this farm. It was a, almost a 500-acre tract of land created to be an interracial farming community. Well, in the 50s and 60s in South Georgia, the farm became the target of boycotts and bombings because of its devotion to deepening relationships among farmers across racial lines. Yet they devoted themselves to koinonia even when it was difficult. They devoted themselves to creating and building deeper relationships even when the culture said, don't do it. And what we're going to find out even of this group here in Acts chapter 2 that They're going to face the same issue that Clarence Jordan did in South Georgia in the 40s and 50s and 60s when the Gentiles come on board. Now, what's koinonia going to look like? And what does koinonia look like for us? We need to have deeper fellowship. Practically speaking, part of what I think it means is fewer friends. You know, social media influences us to always be increasing our number of friends. But koinonia, is a, it's a deeper kind of relationship where less is more. Write someone a letter. Give someone a call. Stop by for a visit. Invite someone for coffee. Have another family over to your house for dinner. Let's go deeper with our fellowship. That's the 2D. 3D. Decide today to live generously. Decide to live generously. I had uh, Gregory read the New Living Translation this morning because there was a word, uh, particularly in that translation, that came up four times in these six verses uh, in that translation. Do you recall the word? It was the word share. I want to read each one to you again. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in each other's homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You see, sharing meals together was just the starting place for this group. 
sharing meals together was just like the training wheels. That was the beginning point. You know, one of the things that I, Karen and I have emphasized uh, time and again over these last 23 years in our family, it's one of our kind of family principles, is that we always share. We always share. It's how, it's how, we've, it's how we've tried to live as a family. It's who we are. Um, and it's, it, it's who I see this group of believers being. It's how, they, it's how they were living. But why this D is so important in this third D of the church in 4D is because you have to decide to live this way. You have to make a decision to live this way. You make a decision today, not in the moment. You make a decision to be generous ahead of time, beforehand. That way, when you're in the moment, the decision's already made because it's a much harder decision in the moment. You know, when I read uh, these verses about this group of believers, I can't help but think about what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 when he said that God loves a cheerful giver because that's what you see here with this early group. And again, I I have to emphasize this. This This wasn't like a decision because this was a church growth model. This is how they were going to grow their church. They were all going to do this. This is the result. What we have here is eyewitness testimony. This is the result of the risen and ascended King Jesus pouring out the Holy Spirit on these people. This is what happens. I hope you see that. And to me, as I read Acts, as I study the teaching of the apostles, Living generously, always sharing, is the most tangible and visible expression of a Jesus-led, spirit-filled community. I think the way that Luke presents generosity in Luke-Acts is that it's the primary fruit of a life of repentance. Repentance literally just means to turn. And so the primary fruit of one who has turned their eyes and their heart and their attention away from themselves and from this world and instead have turned them to God, the primary fruit of one who has done this is generosity. We stop clinging on to everything. And we start sharing it. We start giving it away. We, we celebrate God's generosity to us by being generous to others. Luke chapter 3. The point of John the Baptist preaching there in verse 8 was to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That was his whole message as he preached there in the countryside. He said, To the people, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so in verse 10, the crowd says, okay, I hear you, but give us a practical example. What's that mean? 
What's John the Baptist say? He says, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. Because you see, generosity is the primary fruit of repentance. Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, meets Jesus, and it changes his whole life. He says, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus says, today, salvation has come to your house. Now, did Zacchaeus somehow earn his salvation through his generosity? Of course not. But once again, we see that generosity is the fruit of genuine repentance. Generosity is the result. It's what happens when salvation comes into a person's life. It's the consequence of a Jesus-led, spirit-filled life. And that's what this group here at the very beginning teaches us, encourages us. That's the third D. And then the fourth one this morning is to designate time for prayer. Designate time for prayer. All the believers devoted themselves to the instruction of the apostles, to the koinonia, the fellowship, to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Constant prayer. Prayer continually. Prayer at all times. This group designated time and space to pray together. It wasn't an afterthought. It was not just something they did before the meal. It was not something that was done only by the apostles. It was not something that was done only by the men. This group prayed together. Praying together was a significant part of who they were. They designated purposefully and intentionally time and space for prayer. I love how one author puts it. Christians are supposed to be heaven and earth people. Prayer makes no sense whatsoever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together. Prayer allows for us to share in that reality now. Jesus-led, spirit-filled people pray heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And listen, we are going to see numerous examples. If you're familiar with the book of Acts, we're going to come across numerous examples of this group 
designating time and space for prayer. So, King Jesus, from the right hand of the Father, pours out the Holy Spirit on a group of believers. And the result is the church in 4D. As we've reflected on this text today, let this initial group of believers encourage us. Inspire us to develop a word view, to deepen fellowship, to decide to live generously, and to designate time for prayer. Luke concludes this section with this sentence, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you hear what he's saying? What he's saying is really powerful. He's saying that it is, in fact, the risen and reigning Lord himself who actively adds to their number. It's the Lord who adds to the number from the right hand of the Father our risen and ascended and reigning King Lord Jesus actively the head of the church is adding to their number daily Jesus himself And he adds people to this group of believers who devoted themselves in these ways, to these characteristics. You know, in a sense, what Luke seems to be saying is that for the church in 4D, evangelism just kind of takes care of itself. They didn't have a special program to reach people. Christ himself added daily to a group that lived in this way. Christ drew them to to these people. Christ wanted these people to be added to this group. I'm thankful for this text. And pray that it will both encourage us and inspire us as we seek to follow Christ as his body. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for these ancient words. Thank you for, really, that we can kind of peel back all the layers, right? Man, I just think about all the layers, man, that 2,000 years have added to your church. Just all the religion, all the denominationalism, all the materialism, all the nationalism, all the, all the other isms, right, that we have added to your church along the way. And to be able to peer, peel back the, the layers 
And look at this group, just in its purest and most innocent form. And just allow these words to encourage us and to inspire us to be your people. Lord, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit on us to be your people in this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the invitation uh, is for anyone here uh, who has not made Jesus the king of your life. You know, you're, and you're, not, you're not filled with his Holy Spirit. And I pray that today that you will come to repent, that you'll turn from yourself and from this world, come to Jesus, put your faith in him, be baptized into his name for forgiveness and life. Let's stand together and sing.